Welcome to Dudes of Beards Podcast, episode 41. I am Joe, and joining me are my co-hosts, Matt. Hey. And Darren. Ho. The video version can be found on Facebook and YouTube. The audio version can be found on all major podcasting platforms. Please visit dwbshow.com for all of our social media links. On today's show, we will be talking about the Ford 3D printable Maverick accessories. Those are super cool. Fisker opens reservations for a new EV. Snow Lake Lithium is developing the world's first all-electric lithium mine. Uh, could rooftop solar have prevented the Texas power outage in 2021? Uh, SpaceX Starlink satellites impacted by a geomagnetic storm. And the White House announces a $5 billion plan for highway EV charging infrastructure. So lots of good topics today. Very good. What are we drinking, fellas? Uh, PBR for now because we're doing a uh, beer drop later. Yes, we are. All stouts, so tune in for that yeah. one. Yeah. Matt, you got the water? Got, did you get got some water. I'm trying to I prep. I had some. He's, he's pacing. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm drinking water, too. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Some hop water. I got a uh, hop juju from oh, Fathead man. Brewing. Such a good beer. Um, Fathead's Brewing, so, sorry. This is, um, is it? I think it's a yearly. It might be a biannual, or is it just no, once a year? No, it's just once a year. Just once a year. Yeah. Um, Super fresh. It is a 9%, 100 <clears throat> IBUs. Hmm. I don't remember ever being those that 100. care. 100. For those that care. For those that care. <laughs> and like I said, this is uh, from Fathead um, up in uh, Cleveland. Cleveland, Ohio. And this was canned. So today is what, February 19th? 19th. This was canned on February 2nd. So it is very pretty fresh. fresh. It is very tasty as I well. I like the date. 2 2 Yeah. It is very, very good. <laughs> Uh, so Jungle Gems, which is here in Southwest Ohio, um, International Food Market. You know, I don't. I think these. There's three locations still. Still two, down here. just two. 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 Um, they get this. They get a lot of uh, local craft beer or regional type craft beers to us. So this was a four pack of sixteen ounces, and uh, that's um, new, isn't it? The sixteen ounce. I don't. I think didn't they switch to six packs for a while? Then I don't know. I don't know if oh, it's might have been. I remember it both ways. But I've not had it in years. I grabbed a oh, couple no. of four packs of it. My favorite beer from them was Bumbleberry. I do like Bumbleberry as well. Um, they make honey, a lot of good, a lot of good hop IPAs, hoppy IPAs rather. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, any exciting news? I don't really have anything since the last podcast. What you meant? Nada. Same old. Oh, the COVID numbers are going down in the hospital finally. That's, That's awesome. Good. That's a really good news. We That's were really hovering good. around like 100 daily at the hospital with over 50 in quarantine, like, you know, really restricted access to the rooms. Um, and then, like, vent numbers were, like, almost touching 40 daily for three weeks. And I think yesterday's huddle, they were saying there was, like, 18 on vents nice. so that's that's way down that's good. yeah that's really good and like kind of just walking through the different departments everyone just like just a little bit calmer not quite as much on edge um, that's good because everyone is just obviously done with it but <laughs> yeah. no man it's people are you know breathing a little bit at the hospital so that's good that's good to hear i mean i think i read um, last couple of days, I think they said something about seventy nine percent 
of all Americans are either fully vaccinated or they've had they've gotten co they've gotten COVID, so they've have they have natural immunity now. So, like, like where do we need to be? Like, I mean, the my thing all along, like, f- forget all the politics, all that stuff. My thing all along has been like not to overwhelm the medical system, the the healthcare system, like. Because if it would have spiked, I mean, it did. I mean, it definitely did spike yeah. several times, way high. But if imagine if it ne- if it spiked and was like that for months and months and months and months and months, like it would have been bad. Like the whole mm-hmm. the whole goal from my point of view was like, to to be able to handle these spikes so that we could limit the number of people that got severely ill and died. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. But I'm glad. I'm glad it's. I think we're finally seeing. What I heard it, that, I heard that, it called. Don't say it. We are. Well, I think we're finally seeing, like, hopefully, some reprieve. Just a little bit, but I hope so. We're good. How about you? Anything exciting? Nothing exciting. No. I did make something. You, you, yeah, you would you get something in? You got a bag over there, yeah. and it's it's definitely Darren wrapped. I just, so I, I'm no, kind of worried what's in there. I didn't really want it wrapped. I wanted it so you guys couldn't see what it was. Okay, okay. So I got a 3D printer, and then I, well, Joe gave me a 3D printer because he was fed up with it, and I got it all lined out. But then I bought a 3D printer, and then I got it all lined out, and uh, I decided to make something for the show. Sweet. So, let's see it. You know about this? No. no. Huh? I so, seen it. I seen the bags, and I was like, "What is that?" It's like my birthday is like three weeks away. He's like, "So, oh, like you'll see." I made everything in here was three D printed. I actually made the. Well, I'll tell you after you open it. But you want me to open it? Yep. Go ahead and open it. Put it on the floor. It's a cute yeah, bag. Just, I like it. Well, it was the biggest bag we had. I'm going to take them home because. <laughs> So, <laughs> so this is what I made. What? You 3D printed that? So this is all 3D printed. Uh, Let I, me do close. The, <clears throat> the only thing I wish I would have done is got white instead of clear. Oh. Is it okay to plug in? Uh, yeah. Well, I got an extension cord in here so we can just set it up. Oh. Whoa. Easy. You're still attached. You're tethered. But I got an extension cord in here just to make it easier. So we'll have to set this up. We'll have to set this up on. Oh, wow. That's sweet. So right now it will. So one on. Then if you hold it, you can change the colors. Use uh, use the pixels. Uh, So these are actually individual pixels. And each, each pixel has six connection points on it. Yeah, that looks familiar. Yes. <laughs> well, that's cool. So each pixel has six, awesome. six connection points on it. And I, let, me, let me just show you this picture because you'll be like, uh, you're done. You should put it right there. Yeah. So that's the size of the pixel. Oh, my goodness. How many are in there? Uh... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Here, see if uh, I'll zoom in, see if you can show it. Oh, I, I see him now. I'm done. So a lot. 
So yes. So you see like the your thumb right there. <laughs> that, no, that's my that's this finger. That's a small oh, your index finger. Yes. So yeah. So this is like the back of them. Oh, and then there's a cover over top of them. That's so really what, cool. Did you what's this? Uh acrylic it's, or it, you just printed something No, like, I I printed What color was it? Well, it was it was translucent. Oh, okay. So but I wish I would have done white because I think it would have diffused just oh, a little bit better. I think I think it looks fine. That's awesome. So <laughs> Those, yeah. those letters are 3D printed? Like yeah. The, like the fill-in, that's all just like a thin print that you yeah. laid in there? Yeah. Wow. Did you model it? Did you? What? Uh, no, actually I found that on Thingiverse, and Where as soon as I in... saw it, and and just so you know, each one of those letters takes about 40 <laughs> minutes to wire. <laughs> so all together, there's probably about 18 hours of print time and and stuff to well that's really cool yeah it's awesome it it i was really happy with it are you gonna make one for your bar no i that that is my one and only <laughs> i will oh, not be awesome will, in the bar i will not do that project again oh, well, thanks man. so so here i already i just logged into it I'll, I have to it's put, on your phone i'll have to All put the controller i have to put it on your wi-fi but uh this is the 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 what i, what? I wanted to keep it on oh my god that's cool so this is WLED. Um, it's an open source project. Anybody can do it. And yeah, so that's just the chill because that's what you use. Uh, it's just a five volt. Do you need to put any kind of wire up? No. That's awesome. Yeah, we can snake that down. That yeah, that, really that's what I figured. Cool. So, you know. And what's nice about it is, you know, I can change it to do whatever I want. What? I like that. It's, like it's, that. it's, it's so cool. It's basically, basic, <clears throat> it's basically the same stuff that I had for my... Uh, wall? For my wall and what I did for my house. Okay. And the Christmas trees. So, you know, I can, I can just change it to whatever I want. And that's just going to blink through all the... Yeah, and I can gonna, make it go super fast. Put it, put it right here above my head. Yeah. So I thought it'd be a cool addition to the wall. Thank you. Yeah. So, it's kind of interesting how Or we could put it right above the sign. And and right above the Yeah. Number. And and what I was worried about is I was worried about it changing color and and throwing the camera off of white balance. But it might have the old one, but the new one I think it'd be but, fine. But you know, also, you know, I could turn it way down so it's not as bright. Gotcha. It's just it's interesting how in this seeing it through the camera you can like really see the individual pixels yeah. and that's light why up. but that's why i wish i would have put white yeah, i would have printed uh, it in white because does. it would diffuse it a lot better Ooh. Hmm. that is so cool that's awesome buddy thank you so nice little addition yeah i thought so but there's a few things I gotta finish on it just to to actually put the true pixel count on there. And, oh, for the uh, app or and hmm. and then add it to your Wi-Fi and then I'll have you download the app so you can add it in, and then um, sweet. So That's that awesome. can be tied into the thou shall that not be named. What yes. Yes. What? You can make it put a button on here. We can do what? Man, do yeah. different scenes. Awesome. So, just yeah, so that's huh? so that's that's what I worked on. That's uh that that's is pretty cool. Really cool. That is pretty cool. That and the 
I think the weekend after the last podcast, you were you had that. Is that when you get had to had all the snow? Yeah, yeah. You had a lot of a uh, lot of snow time. It's just been too cold to be outside doing anything. Yeah, I well, wanted to go in the garage. It's gonna be and... like sixty again tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thirty some today, and then and then sixty tomorrow. Well, hopefully, I'm not too hungover tomorrow. So, what are you talking about? Man, I'm a lightweight. From the drive at cam, Ford releases blueprint files for tons of 3D printable Maverick accessories. So Maverick is their, I guess, is it a midsize or what do you even call uh, it? A compact? It's a compact truck. Um, Pick him up truck. So I remember, did we talk about this before? So Maybe you were just mentioning I, it. That I, they were, I, I mentioned it on Slack, but okay. I should have waited to, to get this thing out when we opened this yeah. up because <laughs> well, of 3D printing. You know? Um. Yeah, so Darren, uh, the sign that's uh, going right here, Darren, we were we were just talking about this. If you were watching this on uh, outside of the the whole podcast, um, <laughs> he just three D printed and made this LED sign for the show. So that's a perfect segue. But uh, they, you've been able to three D print stuff, but they have they have officially released. Yeah, Ford Ford is going to f- officially release parts that you can print for your Maverick. Yeah, somebody's got that little. Yeah, he's pretty cool. Yeah, they're Little actually going to release like the CAD files, so you can make your own SDL files out of them. Yeah, I thought that it was. Um, so they said uh, the 2022 Ford Maverick is a hit. It's the most affordable. Their most affordable product. It offers a standard hybrid powertrain with best fuel economy of any truck around, and it still has the power to tow up to 4,000 pounds. Um, small footprint with. A utilitarian nature make the Maverick a dream come true for people who want a truck to haul around stuff for their DIY projects, but without the size that comes with a full size pickup like the F one hundred and fifty. That's why I liked my um, my truck so much because um, it, it wasn't a full size. full size, and I could fit it in my garage. <laughs> but but I'm pretty sure the Maverick has been in like Mexico. The whole time, oh, okay. and, and like maybe overseas. So they've had it over pla- but, other but places. they've had the Maverick for a while. But this, mm. but but this is they they did a hybrid for this one, yeah. and actually bought brought back the original Ranger size. That's cool. So, yeah, because I mean, I, I had a Tundra, which was I liked it, but it was just too big. And then, um, going to my uh, Tacoma, Tacoma, yeah, like. That was the perfect size because, I mean, five and a half foot bed, but I wasn't putting stuff in the bed all the time. Yeah, but I have a full size truck that has a five and a half That's foot true. bed. Yeah. But I mean, like, it's, I, I miss it because there's times when I just want to go and put, you know, when I went and got my snowblower, like, I couldn't, I had to take the Prius because the hatch, mm. it wouldn't fit. It was like this, like, I measured it and my, my, uh, Model 3, it was like that much. Too tall to fit into the Again, trunk. Again, I told you to buy a Model Y. <laughs> I, know. I, I, I know a guy who has a truck. I know. Well, it sucked because I went to home. I went to Lowe's to look for um, something else, and I had looked for snowblowers, and they said they were out of them. And I seen the one sitting there. I was like, "Well, somebody messed up." So I, I saw. I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna." So I went ahead and got that. So I was in my Tesla because I wasn't expecting to get the, the snowblower. So, like, I get it on the car to take it outside. I go to put it in the car, and it's, like, that much. And mm. I was like, so I had to call April to bring the the Prius to put it in the back. I mean, it's not that far away, but still. Um, 
It says DIY is the name for the Maverick, as we've already seen. In fact, one of the pickup's coolest features is its integration of a slot called Fits. I don't. It didn't say what that st- stood for. Do you? Ford know? Integrated Tether System. Tether System. Says it right oh, underneath tch, of it. Duh. <laughs> See, that's why I have you. Thank that's you. why I get paid the big bucks. Yep, that's right. And run this soundboard. <laughs> um, this small, this small notch lets owners add a myriad of Ford built and homebrew accessories. That can be brought to life using a 3D printer. Uh, things like cup holders, trash bag holders, storage bins, and more. Now creating those attachments is getting a little bit easier because Ford has officially released the files needed to create your very own FITS compatible accessories. So they said for a long time they were going to do it. They just right. never did it. So a lot of other people started making stuff. Right. Now, and, and what's cool is, you know, that could be your business. I mean, uh, yeah. if they start releasing these CAD files that you don't have to do anything mm-hmm. to, you can start an Etsy store or, or, yeah. or whatever. I think it even said something in yeah. here. Like if you don't have your own 3D printer, people on like eBay and other places were yeah. selling them. I think it's a... What's, uh, I, I can't remember the name of it, but there's that place that you can mm-hmm. just, you know, go to their website and say, I want this file printed. Oh, and they'll print it. And they'll print it and send it to you. What? It's it's at the bottom of this article or somewhere in it. Um, yeah, I just said, can't um, remember the name of it. Ford has pledged to release these files uh, since the Maverick actually entered production. Uh, it's been a few months since the small pickup started hitting driveways. The owners wasted no time designing their own fits compatible accessories using old fashioned methods like a set of calipers and contour gauges. Um, owners have <laughs> since amassed a significant stockpile of homemade fits accessories, uh, peppering 3D printer repositories like Thingverse with fun and useful items that anyone can download or print. For example, there's a low-profile cup holder, a set of hooks useful for holding up the four grocery bags, Apple MagSafe holders in both single and dual configurations, phone mounts, a Nintendo Switch holder. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty cool. And much, much more with a download at the click of a button. Hmm. And it said people have been have, been, have begun creating uh, fit slots for places not offered from the factory. Several makers have built them to take up space in the Maverick's small dashboard cubby, while others have built mounts compatible with uh, gear track mounting systems to easily store extra mounts in the garage when not in use. And if you don't happen to own a Maverick but still want to use some of these sweet accessories, someone has even designed an inverted fits tether with holes for screws so you can turn any vehicle into a fits-compatible one, Ford or not. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, Shapeways. That's, that's oh, okay. the name of it. Yeah, it says if you don't have a 3D printer and you still want to get these, you you can uh, you have some options. So Etsy, eBay, um, or other independent websites. And you can util- utilize a service like Shapeways to have an accessory printed for you. And hmm. then we'll put this in the did, show notes down you, below. Did you actually go to the website to see the files? I didn't look, go to the website, but I did watch that video yeah. where the guy made the, the water bowl. Yeah. That was pretty cool. So we'll put this in the show notes. You can go out there. It has links to the to the the files and all and, of that stuff as well. And you know, I look for more uh, auto manufacturers to start doing stuff like this because, I mean, it's just a cool idea. Because, you know, when you order a vehicle, it's you order it and that's what you get. Right. And there's several spots in my F one fifty is like, why didn't they put this here? Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh well, I could add that. Now that I have a 3D printer, right? Yeah. Or, or you know, and and but but the the if anybody's ever used a CAD program, there's kind of a big learning curve for, yeah. for doing your own CAD designs. Yeah, definitely. Like I'm on, like I'm on version four of a 
holder I'm making for a infrared uh, camera from a Raspberry Pi. Hmm. You know, it it's close. I got it pretty close, but there's a few little tweaks I have to make. But I'm on version four, and each one of those versions have been printed just so I can check tolerances right. and stuff. So, but wow. the cool thing is, is that you can do that. Like, oh, yeah. how else would you do it otherwise? Yeah. You know. You're gonna you're gonna create your own mold and do all yeah, that. But, like, but yeah. what but what's cool is you know they're going to give you these these generic files that fit already. Well, you can take that into a CAD program and and add it or tweak it a little bit, mm-hmm. and then boom, you got a different thing. Yeah, that's why I like about things versus wow. other 3D printing sharing sites well, is that I hate, you'll see people do the remakes right where they'll take something, tweak it a little bit. But I hate Thingiverse because they updated, and now you have to, every time you go to download something, you have to wait like five seconds. Oh, really? Yeah. You put some kind of, like, delay on it or something? Mm-hmm. You have to wait five seconds? Yeah. Well, when some of these files have 16 different <laughs> files to you, make one thing. Yeah, you, know, you can't. Yeah, and if they don't put it in, like, a zip. times 16. Oh. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. Because they break it apart into yeah. all the pieces to fit on um, the smaller 3D printers. Right. Yeah, because not everybody has a sixteen-inch by sixteen-inch printer red. Nope. <laughs> From uh, Carbuzz.com, Fisker opens reservations for a new twenty-nine thousand nine hundred dollar EV. Uh, deliveries are set to begin in twenty twenty-four. So Fisker says it's now accepting reservations for the pair personal electric uh, automotive revolution. I hate that name. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, it just seems definitely doesn't roll off the tongue. I mean, I get it. I mean, it's a cool name, like especially when you you know you don't want to say that whole long version, but I don't right. know. It just seems weird. It's a battery powered five seater, promising affordability. The brand has said the new model will be priced below thirty k. I hope that I hope it is like because we need some, we need more competition yeah, I mean, below thirty k. Like, well, it was like the F one fifty. You know, everybody was oh yeah 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 yeah, and then you actually got to go to order it, and I can get something for thirty thousand dollars cheaper. Yeah. That's the equivalent, but still gas. It's yeah. like, yeah, it's not cool. Mm. Um, make it's it, so it will be one of the most affordable electric vehicles on the market when it arrives. Uh, the pricing is particularly appealing as electric vehicles remain prohibitively expensive for the majority of American consumers. I agree. Uh, deliveries are set to commence in 2024, with uh, prospective buyers now able to pay 250 for the first reservation and 100 for the second round. So, are they just trying to like crowdfund? I don't know. With the I mean, 250, kind of what Tesla did, I mean, right? yeah, I mean Tesla Tesla basically did that, but cuz what did they they made people pay for the original Roadster all up front, didn't they? Didn't you have to pay for the whole thing? I can't remember. It was like 100k up front. It was a lot of money back or then. Or was it 250? I don't remember, but it was like a ridiculous price yeah, like you had to pay lot. up front the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. That was like how they got, you know, a lot of their funding. Um yeah, here's some uh it's like a I don't know if it's solar panels. It's hard to tell, or if it's just. I think it's just like a glass roof, like everything else. But but uh, I I like the way it looks. Yeah, the honeycomb in the up front. I really like this. Yeah, I I like that. It's like like a a solar panel up there. Yeah, it's like I mean we've seen we've talked about this before. It's just been what was the the name of their other? Yeah, it's down there. there. I forget, but like I like this. Like it looks aggressive. It's. Got that? I love the stance of it. Um, I really do. It so. really reminds me of the Ford Flex. Really? With, yeah, yeah but, it kind of does. But it doesn't have that squared off back like yeah. the Ford Flex. You know what I mean? Like the front yeah. of it, and then if it, the Ford Flex kind of like, yeah, 
Kind of reminds me of some of the is this real entry level or is this a render? Because it could be a really really good render. It looks super realistic if it's yeah. a, if it is a render. Well, Those I mean, wheels they, look ginormous. Like, but they well, got they, that stick in the front. Well, and this could be Photoshop yeah. to give it that depth of field to make it look. But it almost looks like it's actually like I don't know. This could be real. I haven't seen anything else that's shown these like out in the wild. Um, but I like the way this looks a lot. Oh, I do too. This looks like you could legit drive it if it went on sale tomorrow. Yeah. Unlike the Cybertruck, yeah. that there's too many things about that build that are like, there's no way that would fly. Like you, you right. There's no side mirrors, at least the last time I saw any kind of like pre-production truck online. There's still no front headlights that I can tell. I think it's it just like, had that, the front, yeah, that LED thing all yeah. the way across. That's but not going to illuminate uh, yeah, the road. That, I don't know. Um, it says uh, the minimal initial production run of 250,000 units per year. The pair will be manufactured I think, alongside. I think that's, I think that's a little uh, lofty. Yes, very. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, that's a big that's a big goal for a new vehicle. But they did say that it's gonna run. It's gonna be made in the Lordstown, Lordstown right. endurance uh, plant. So. I, I, I mean, they, they could got, do it, but I mean that is Chevrolet, so they I mean, do I, mean have I think the maybe they'll. I mean, they say they they'll initially be able to do two fifty, but that that doesn't seem like a lot. When I mean, heck, Tesla just hit what five hundred k for the Model Three last year, and that's and been they got the Giga three Press years, and, and that's been three years in right. the making. And how many plants? Um, but, but it's it's cool that it's going to be in the Lordstown, which was the former GM plant, right? Right. But you have Ohio people building this. You got California people building the three. Oh, oh, throwing are down. You, are you saying that Ohio people are better than California people? Factory workers, absolutely. I think we have a lot more automotive experience. I True. think in this area, I than, think our worth ethic is a little bit better too. I don't know. That, that's not what I heard. I think uh, our cost of living is a lot cheaper <laughs> than California. So Lordstown bought that facility in 2019, which we've covered before, but they sold it to Foxconn, I think, last year, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, um, it was not too long ago. Yeah, so which, you know, they've had some trouble, so we don't know what's going to happen with them. Um, described as a beautifully designed affordable urban mobility device, the all-electric pair aims to offer a customers a sporty driving experience along with their clever storage solutions and an emphasis on industry-first and latest technology. So... It didn't really say what that was, though. Um, it does mention that um, further information is going to be shared. The description and price point give us the idea that the pair will most likely compete with other compact and sporty EVs, such as the Mini Cooper Electric Hardtop, also priced around 30000 So, like, I, I think one of the reasons Tesla has, hasn't done the Model 2 or whatever they're going to call it is because there isn't anybody else making anything at that price point yet. Right. I think once you start seeing people actually make stuff at that price point, they will probably maybe do something. I don't know. So looking at this, I don't know why I didn't see it, see, looking at the orange render earlier, but seeing that made me think, man, that, that looks a lot like, I'm not trying to directly compare, but mm -hmm. the Hyundai Santa Fe. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah it kind you know? of does. Well, the, I think the um, MSRP on the Santa Fe is forty two thousand eight seventy. Yeah. Like, how are they doing this know. for under thirty? I, I don't know. 
like this is not a render because you can see there's that's, like people. Yeah, that, was this a, was no, this at the their auto other, show? That's their other. Oh, is this the other? I one? I think that's the other one, isn't it? I don't know. It looks similar, but it says that's the ocean. So yeah, that's is, the ocean. Oh, that's, this is the ocean. That's their other model. This is the higher end model, right? right? That that varies um, from thirty seven to sixty four. I think I if you that scroll matte, down, matte color. Yeah, if you scroll down a little bit, okay. it starts from the first vehicle, yeah, the ocean to sixty eight is slated to start production in November of this year. Um, like its smaller sibling, the premium SUV boasts competitive pricing ranging from thirty seven five to sixty eight nine nine nine. So sixty nine k for the Halo model. The entry-level Ocean will be equipped with a single electric motor producing 275 horsepower, enough for a 0 to 60 in a brisk 6.9. Elsewhere in the range, um, a 540-horsepower dual-motor option, uh, which will have a more appealing 0 to 60 of 3.6. While the imminent production of the Ocean and the Perry reservations seem promising, Fisker has a long way to go if it wants to battle with industry heavyweights such as Tesla. Um, Henry Henrik Fisker's first attempt at creating an electric car company was less than desirable than he had hoped, but with luck, the company will do far better the second time around. So, yeah, the I just these don't look that much far that much farther apart. Right? No, I, I just, like the way this one looks too. I just wonder when you know we we've been covering EV startups for a long time in this. 41 episodes now. Yes. <laughs> Two years. So, <laughs> Ooh, look at that. Yeah. Like there, how that, but but oh. there's but there's a lot of stuff that we've seen that we haven't heard hide nor hair of. Oh, yeah. Since. Yeah. The Badger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of stuff like the Lord, uh, the, anything. Any Lordstown, Lord's you know, the Lordstown truck. Yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> Atlas, all the all the other ones. What was the other one that the guy? Oh, the, like that a, Atlas stuff was pretty cool. That military one. Oh, um, military. Yeah, that like it was like a Hummer looking thing. Yeah. Oh, um, but I it, forget, yeah. Had that gear tunnel that you could yep. run a sixteen foot board in. Yep. I forget what it was called. I yeah. do too. I, I I just I hope they all come to. I like I want them all to be made. Like yeah. I want as much uh, variety as we can. Like I think both of these. The pear and the ocean look. I love the way yeah. they look. Like I would, I would definitely drive one of these things, especially for that price. Yeah, I mean, with those thirty-inch rims, it's got like on t- there. Taylor. She leases a Rav Four, and it's thirty, almost thirty. It's like twenty-six, twenty-seven thousand dollars for the the middle yeah. model. Like if she could get something like this for that same price, like nope. heck yeah. My my guess is at that price point. Its range is going to be under two hundred miles. Um, yeah, that, yeah, but that if is, that, yeah, <clears throat> but honestly. Like me, I drive 17 minutes to work every day. Range really isn't that big of a deal for me unless I'm traveling. Right. And I don't travel that often, maybe once or twice a year. Yeah. And if you have a two-car household, like most of this, I think, in the U.S. probably do, majority, you could have one that's that lower-end range just for your daily and then you have one with a longer range for the trip type stuff, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, hopefully we, we see all kinds of these things coming in the next two years, I hope. Because <laughs> we, yeah. need, we need more. No, we do. Electric.co reports that Snow Lake Lithium is developing the world's first all-electric lithium mine to support EV industries in North America. That's pretty cool. Like... Um, 
Do we talk about Snow Lake on something else? It seems like it sounds familiar. Were they the ones that were doing like um, the hydro stuff or something somewhere? I don't remember, but they did, it did sound familiar. I, I didn't go back and look at past episodes to see, but it just they, it seems like we did. But anyway, so Snow Lake Resources Limited has outlined plans to develop over fifty-five thousand acres in Manitoba, Canada. Manitoba, Canada into the world's first all-electric lithium mine. By utilizing Manitoba's hydroelectricity, the entire mining operation can run on 98% renewable energy, helping the company sustainably source lithium, a vital resource to EV batteries, domestically in North America. As Snow Lake Lithium works through the environmental red tape to begin mining, it is seeking an OEM to enter into a joint venture to help process the lithium into EV batteries for North America. This could be pretty cool. So, yeah, um, they're a newly traded mining company that has made a commitment to provide completely traceable, carbon neutral, and zero harm lithium to the EV and battery market in North America. But it is, you know, even though it's in Canada, but the, where they are in Canada, there's a, I think there's a map down there. It shows you like they, they could easily get to like all of the big manufacturers for for cars anyway, at least the current ones. Mm-hmm. Um, the lithium-rich land was acquired in 2016 by Australian exploration company Nova Minerals Limited, which remains a majority stake or shareholder rather to Snow Lake Lithium, which was formed in 2018. Uh, since then, they have been busy cons- uh, consolidating the land and conducting surveys for its true resource potential. Over the last year, they have doubled the size of their property by uh, staking and filing claims with the Manitoba Mineral Resources Division. Um, the company has recognized the growing demands for electric vehicles and the Im- impeding competition for raw materials that will arise when automakers and battery manufacturers expand their production capacities to meet this demand. Um, furthermore, they believe that only the only way North, America o- North American OEMs will have a long-term sh- uh, shot at staying competitive is to source components like the lithium hydroxide domestically, thus cutting the industry's dependency on China while simultaneously shortening the supply chain. Um, They kicked off their initial assessment last month, but it'll take another 18 to 24 months for environmental work such as permitting to be completed before lithium mining can actually begin uh, in North America. But I didn't think the lithium was like the high-priced, hard-to-get stuff like the cobalt and the nickel. nickel. I don't know. I think it's Uh, the biggest part. Maybe that's why. Yeah, true. Um. It says that they're looking for a joint venture to help them process the raw material. So they're going to mine it, but they need somebody that can actually process it into the usable components so that the OEMs can make batteries out of it. Um, While they have not shared who the OEM may someday be, we do know they are aggressively pursuing the partnership and they have presented to several big names in American Auto. I find it hard to believe that somebody hasn't, like, signed up for this yet because – I mean, Ford just invested all that money to build out to the build. New yeah, chip they've got to get the places. they've got to get the lithium from somewhere, right? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Ford was the one. That maybe they just yeah they just can't disclose. Ends up doing this partnership. Yeah, it, well, maybe this additional when, press that they're getting will drive them uh, to yeah. make a go, commitment. Go back up to the top and see when this was actually uh, put out because oh, it was uh, just uh, this past week, just, February tenth. Okay, yeah, so okay. nine days ago. So there might be talks already that yeah. we just don't know about. 
at the time of this um, So here's their uh, from rock to road. So they got this diagram here. And again, we'll link this down so you can go and check down below so you can go and check it out. But they, they detail the process from using the hydroelectric power um, to mining the rock to crushing it to sorting it. Uh, flotation, which they say that's like creates 6% lithium. Uh, spodamine, I think that's how you say it. Spodamine. Um, that's, I guess they, they have to separate it from everything else. Um, and then they, uh, manufacturers battery grade, then they get the actual battery grade lithium and then they're going to use rail. So I don't know if they're going to use some kind of electric rail, like uh, that doesn't exist yet. So I don't know what they, what rail or just going to use traditional rail to get it to the manufacturers who will then make the batteries. Well, maybe in their timeline, they because would, this maybe, is going to be they a few build, years they out. They build something. Yeah. What you got? Spotamine. Spotamine. According to... Spotamine. Spotamine. It says the company shared news of its all-electric lithium mine in a press release which shared details of the site itself, and it reiterated its need for a joint venture to complete the supply chain. Uh, Snow Lake Lithium CEO Philip Gross spoke to the potential of this resource. He says, we are facing a once-in-a-century industrial pivot as North America accelerates towards an electrified future. If we don't act now to secure a seamless lithium supply from rock to road, the North American car industry will not exist in 10 years' time. Our ambition is to become the first fully integrated carbon-neutral lithium hydroxide provider to the North American electric vehicle industry. We are developing the world's first all-electric lithium mine operated by renewable power and currently looking for a joint venture partner to create a lithium hydroxide processing plant in the region. Like, it make, like somebody's got to be jumping on this, yeah. dude. I can't believe they're not. I mean, wonder, <clears throat> I didn't look this up, but it just popped into my head. Like, I, I just wonder what the closest lithium mine is to us. I don't think we have any in the U.S., like... That are, that are in operation. Well, I think I think the U.S. has so many strict. Uh, yeah, could be. I don't think you'd ever see one in actually the United States because of of regulations and it's not going to line the pockets of people. No, I, I get it. I mean, mm. that's one of the things. That, so, in speaking to Gross directly, he explains the company's ethos is: if you're going to mine for resources that contribute to an environmentally conscious technology then the practices in obtaining those materials must be congruent, thus sustainable and environmentally friendly. Like, it makes it makes sense, right? Yeah. Uh, he explained that the company is working with Meglab in Canada to implement electric mining practices that require no trucks or diesel emissions. Mm. Uh, based on the surveys of its 55,000-plus acres, it is expected to produce 160,000 tons of 6% lithium spodamine. Spodamine? per year for at least a decade. Furthermore, the company has only explored about 1% of its site and is confident that this will expand over the course of the next year. So they don't even know how much this potentially uh, there. There is one in the United States. Yeah. Uh, it's Borate Hills in Nevada. Uh, in 2010, it's the USA alone demand for industrial-grade lithium over one. Uh, 102,000 tons by 2020. So they're the only ones currently? They're expected to reach 320 uh, tons due to the increased production of electric vehicles. So mm. there is one in the United States. Okay, okay. Hmm. 
Um, it says that this is the perfect place at the perfect time because it's in the backyard of one of the world's largest automotive manufacturing markets. And here's the map that I was talking about. So you can see, like, um, it, it, it caught, yeah, so right here is where the mine would be, so just north of the border. Um, and then you've got Ford, LG, LG Chem, um, and both in Michigan. You've got GM, LG Chem in Ohio, in Lordstown, that's coming this year. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Panasonic, Tesla, and Reno. And then GM, LG Chem, and uh, Proposed in Tennessee. So, like, it makes Look, sense. Looks like you need to, we need to start buying some LG Chem uh, <laughs> stock. Or, or some, uh, um, not, if not LG Chem, then we need to start buying some of this. Uh, can, I, don't, I don't think they're you, public. Yeah, so Snow Lake, they're probably private, yet. I'm sure. Um, so it says in, in January, so not that long ago, the company presented in front of, a, of political officials in both Canada and the U.S., as well as major American automakers like Tesla, GM, and Ford, in addition to the battery manufacturers, other battery manufacturers, uh, Gross told us that Snow Lake Lithium is currently working with the U.S. Consulate General of General of Manitoba to build these relationships in search of a manufacturing partner. He also said the long-term goal would be to speak with the Prime Minister's office in Canada and White House to gain further support in providing lithium to North America. Like, just imagine if Tesla or GM or Ford went into partnership with them, and they, it was an exclusive partnership to build the – I mean, they don't traditionally mo- um, process this stuff, but I guess they there still needs to be another middleman type right. of company that does the processing. But why couldn't they do this? Like if they wanted to reduce their costs and get – because they could provide it to all the other manufacturers potentially. Right. Um, I don't know. It just seems like a, a no-brainer to me, but I don't, I don't know about this stuff you know, as much as some of them, I'm sure – there's probably reasons they they don't want to do it, I guess. Right. But like I'm surprised by like by now. Why isn't Tesla doing yeah. all well, of this themselves? Didn't they they bought all of that land in Nevada to be able to uh, mine the silicon, right? Yeah. So they, they wanted to be able to make their own silica. Um why wouldn't they want to do this? Well, it seems like they it could they could if they got in or, at the right time. Or they already are doing that, and we just don't know it yet. Uh, that could be. I mean, there's, be. there's maybe they already have something industry, else working that we don't know about. Secrets that <clears throat> we just don't know about it. Yeah, that's good. Or point. maybe they're asking way too much. That, that's my concern with this: of someone having piece. this much control over this big a supply. Yeah. Like, or there's some potential. That they wouldn't get the approvals they need to do the mine, the mining, yeah. for right. some reason. I mean, you're, you're I mean, because if you look almost, at that picture, I mean, look where, the, like, what is this? What is this going to do to this area? Like, is it going to completely destroy it? Like, well, yeah, it'll be, is it going to be like a strip mine, like they do with like coal, like the, the like when they the dig fracking. up coal, or like, I mean, what is that going to do? And yeah, but, is there risk that they won't also, get the but, approval? But think about what we talked about uh, last episode or episode before. Where they're turning was it Kentucky was turning those uh, old fracking sites and old coal mine sites into solar solar solar, uh, solar uh, sites. sites. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, you have the the ecological damage that you're going to do, but then when you're done, yeah, you convert it to another thing that, that provides point. energy. I That's mean, a good point because it, they they talk about wanting the whole supply chain to be sustainable. But what are you gonna? What are you doing to that site? 
and what are you going to do after? Right. You I mean, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure with with the companies nowadays, they're they're becoming uh, aware of being uh, net zero. I mean, the, to yeah. that that we don't want what we're what we're doing. We want to fix. You know, yeah. like when we went to when we went to Seattle. We went to Bloodell's Reserve, which was a, uh, the guy who owned it was a logging bajillionaire. Gotcha. But everywhere he logged, he, he replanted two trees to every one tree he took down. Right. And that's why that is a whole reserve. Every time he could buy up land that connected to his, that way it was a preservation of the damage he did and this was way back in the early early 1900s. Before they had to do this. Before stuff, they yeah. had to do that. Wow. And so if you if you have and, and more people are aware now, and you know there's more consequence to what people do. Yeah. More visibility. More visibility. More, yeah. More and, awareness and, for sure. And I and I know like back in the day we used to watch the History Channel with the the logger show or whatever it was. And they did have already had a plan of, of we replant these trees and then we go to people, different. People site. have always had a conscience, right? It's just, you know, it's it's the companies that who didn't care that right. got the. You know, I mean, yeah. like one one of the one of Bill's brothers worked up in Cleveland, and his job was to go into this factory every day and write them a fine. Because, because they just didn't it, care. They were just going to no, pay the fine. Or? It was cheaper for them to pay, pay the, the fine, fine than to fix, fix the problem. That's crazy. So <laughs> you got to you got to you got to make that the other way around, <laughs> right? And and I think you know people saying, "Oh, we want to be net zero. We want to do this." I think I think that mentality of, yeah, we're dumping crap into the river, but we're also doing this to fix it. Yeah, and and. I don't think we've had that for, I mean, but we're still in our infancy of our industrial age. I mean, you know, think about it. It's only been, what, 120 years? Yeah. Well, people, people just aren't putting up with it anymore either. Like, you can't get away with that crap anymore. You just can't, which is, which is, it should be that way. Also from electric.co, here's how the rooftop solar, here's how rooftop solar could have prevented 2021's. Texas, man, I don't, this title, they screwed this title I know. up. It, it's kind of a tongue twister. <laughs> Maybe Dr. Seuss wrote it. I don't know. But anyway, so it's been a year since the big freeze down in Texas. It was last February, right? Um, where they had that big cold front come through, had a lot of power outages. A lot of people were out of power for days. Yeah. Um, a lot of bus pipes, a lot of damage that was done. A lot of, I think it was like 200 and some people, 246, yeah, 246 people 46 died. deaths yeah. at least is what they, it was recorded. Um, so yeah, it's been a year since that happened. And then there was new research that was released um, a few days ago that found that rooftop solar could have supplied more than enough electricity to meet the shortfall on all but two of the 13 days when the power production fell short of forecasted demand. So it was almost two weeks worth. Um, like, I agree. Like, we, I think we need more of that, especially down there. Like, they probably get, I mean, ton of, a ton of good weather down there that they yeah. could um, benefit from people having rooftop solar. One thing I will say, like, I don't know if you guys read through this whole thing. I did. Like, the numbers, <laughs> like, yeah. we'll talk about them, but... 
I was like, yeah, I don't know if we're ever going to get to that. But like, I agree well, with the premise. And, and you know, they also talked about in this article that Texas is one of the biggest uh, solar consumers in the United Already, States. Already, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, they're the biggest state, I mean, right? Think, think, about, think about all the ranch land that these people have. If you took, I don't know, let's say 10 acres and put you a solar farm on or a wind yeah. farm, and you could still do your ranching and your cattle, everything. You, What's 10 acres in a 20,000-acre in a plot or mm-hmm. whatever? You know what yeah. I mean? And if we could get more people on board, but here here goes back to the the cost of solar, that upfront cost of solar is yeah. more than the average person can afford. Yeah, or wants to invest. Or wants to invest. Because you, you, you you're going to need to live in that house for a set number of years to get that return on investment. And some people just aren't going to live there that mm-hmm. long. Or be alive that long. Right. Yeah, that too. <laughs> so unless it's – like I think we need more solar that comes when the house is built. Like I think we're going to get to right. that point eventually. Yeah, I mean um, – I mean, because it would be cool, like when you built this house two years ago. If you had, had that, the option, three that op- years, or three, three years ago yeah, now, three yeah. years ago now. <laughs> but if 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 you would have had that option, oh, for for in, yeah. for seventeen thousand dollars, you can get solar put in that would cost that would that would you know supply you eighty percent of your power. Yeah, I would have done it. Yeah, in a heartbeat because it's in that lump sum loan. You know, like over a, a thirty-year period, a buddy of mine built his house. He put, he put geothermal in. He put solar in as soon yeah. when he built his house. Yeah, I agree. Because he had that option. Because hmm. living you just in don't see a lot of builders doing that yet. I think we'll see more, but well, and we covered you know the smart houses yeah. and smart and the, grid, the smart microgrids. grid, microgrids. I mean, there, it, it's coming. I mean, we yeah, we, we've said this. We has to. <laughs> we've said this hundreds of times on the show. We. Only 97. Living, only 97. Okay. We live in a great time right now oh, yeah. because we're seeing this transition over to, you know, all this cool stuff that, that, that makes your life better. I mean, I can't imagine my house without she who shall not be named because it's just so easy. You don't have to do anything. You just say something as you're walking through a room and boom, the lights come on or whatever else. Just magic. Uh, where we go, Matt? It's just science. <laughs> so the the adaptability is just not there yet for solar because yeah. of the price. Yes. So if we look at the early days of Tesla, just because they're one of you know the biggest EV manufacturers, the early days, it wasn't accepted because of the price. But there's going to be there. I mean. And I don't understand why it's not here yet because solar's been around for such a long time. But there's going to be a time when we're going to probably be reading about them having issues in supply chain keeping up with the demand of solar yeah. because the price has finally come to a point where someone like me, who is now able to afford a Tesla, I can afford the solar because mm-hmm. it's not astronomical anymore. Right. You know, my ROI isn't. 23 years it's 16 years you know yeah because i think i think right now i think the if you do it if you have to like if you have to replace your roof like completely tear it off and rebuild like not the plywood but if you're tearing the shingles and everything off and you're having to do all that i think 
over the life of a roof, with most most roofs will last 25, 30 years now. If you're doing it then, then it's really comparable. Like, especially if you look at like Tesla Solar or some of the other options, I think it's close. But again, that's a 30 year, 25, 30 year investment. So, unless you're doing it when you build the house or if you're going to re- redo but, the roof. But you're not here. Here's the, here's, here's what people think. The solar panel has a 20 year warranty. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it has pretty much a 20 year lifespan. But everybody thinks that lifespan stops at 20 years. Mm. No, it's just a reduced. So instead of 100% output of that solar panel, you might be at like 85%. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Which over 20 years, if you're still at 85, you throw up a few more panels, boom, you're set again. There you go. <laughs> but it's, it, it all comes down to that initial investment. Yeah. It's $24,000 for me to put it on my house to, to comparably do what I need to do. I, I don't want to, I mean, I want to, but yeah. I don't want to upfront cost that. Yeah. This doesn't make sense yet. Yeah. So it says this new paper that was released by the environmental America research and policy center, uh, environmental Texas research and policy center in frontier group titled rooftop solar in the 2021 Texas power crisis. Even on the two days when the divide between supply and demand was greatest, February 15th and 16th of 2021, rooftop solar could have still made approximately 40 to 60% of that gap by substantially reducing the need for electricity from centralized power plants. So they get into all the details of this paper. They said that um, it contrasts the role of the solar plate, that solar plate during the freeze, with the role that it could play in lessening the impact on the electrical system in future extreme weather events. The authors used data from the National Renewable Energy Laboratory, the U.S. Energy Information Administration, and the Electric Reliability Council of Texas to estimate how much power rooftop solar could have been generated in Texas during the storm if every if every suitable rooftop across the state had been fitted with solar panels. Right. Ooh, God, that's a that's big, a large number. Yeah. Right. Like but, that's. But this article is kind of a. It's, I get it's it. It's almost clickbaity because. <laughs> but it's a good point. But it, I think. But you could you could armchair quarterback something, you know, two years ago and yeah. and and be like, oh well, they should have done blah 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 blah. Yeah, and then you like you said. Solar has grown 123-fold in Texas over the last decade. That's crazy. That's crazy. They are the leader in the U.S., and the state's solar capacity has increased substantially in the last year alone. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's a ton of people that are getting solar, maybe some power walls or some either even, even diesel generators as a backup now because they don't want to do but that again. I think once solar becomes prettier – Mm-hmm. Yeah, more people would do it because of like you can't put solar in right now. Yeah, HOA doesn't allow. Them. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, I'm sure a lot of them. And, a lot of HOAs and, don't. And and to, and and nobody can, you know, Tesla's solar roof says, oh, it's comparable to it. No, it's not. It's twenty yeah. to twenty five thousand dollars more than what we nor. You can't bring those California prices to Ohio. <laughs> no, that it does. It doesn't, doesn't. It doesn't equate. You don't get the same ROI. Right. But I think if at least builders around here started giving you the option to say, hey, for $15,000 more, $20,000 more, you can do a solar, a Tesla solar roof with a couple power walls. Right. Um, yeah, but, but those power walls are what, 10 grand a piece now? Yeah, 12 to 15. 12 to 15. 
But even if they just gave you the option of being able to do it, like the options, like the big options that I had was a covered deck for 16K, a third car garage for 15K. Um, I could have upgraded my kitchen. I could have upgraded my kitchen to the next level for 20K. Like, why not have that same kind of option for the solar uh, stuff? Yeah, I mean, if you're putting in hmm. a 15 or a 20 year loan, I mean, it makes sense. Well, most people are doing 30 if you're building a brand new house. Yeah. I mean, but that would give you more resale value if you're doing it in the beginning because you're 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 not paying it all up front, right? And but you have to do as, it in the as beginning as long as you have a a nice interest rate. I mean, yeah, you know you got to take that into account too. But yeah, that's true. I just think we need the options when we're building houses for this stuff, like we do for other things. I don't know. Hopefully, I think that I think it's going to change. I think well, maybe. I think here it'll be slower than it is probably out west, but I think eventually. Um, builders will hopefully start doing that. I haven't seen any yet, but like there's three new builders getting ready to start build, building over here. I mean, we'll I'm see what sure, they do, if anything. I'm, I'm sure once the, the, I'm sure if you had a custom home builder and said, hey, mm. I, I want, you know, this, then you could do right. it. But that's but not for the majority like, of people, though. I mean, you're talking, what are they going to have? Like 200 more homes back in this next section? At least, yeah. And, you know, if they gave them that option and then they got, got with Duke and was like, okay, well, we're putting solar on 100% of these homes. Well, even if it's, let's say it's 200 and only 10% did it. Yeah. At, at that's, still, 10, that's 20 houses. Yeah. That didn't have that. that now you've got a microgrid. Yeah. You've got 20 houses with solar panels, maybe power walls. Now you've got a microgrid for the neighborhood. If the power goes out, they could feed it the rest of them. I mean, potentially. Um. They did say that the Tesla, Texas can now produce about 70% more solar than they did just a year ago um, under the same conditions of February 2021. So that's like, again, I'm sure there's just a lot of people that said, hey, we want to do this, right? Um, however, most rooftops that are suitable for solar remain unused. If those roofs were utilized for solar, Texas could install 97,800 megawatts of additional clean Jesus. power generation capacity, enough to meet about one-third of the state's electricity needs in 2020 measurement um, and more than 15 times the total operating capacity at the time of the 2021 power crisis. That's pretty crazy. Mm. So I, kn- I know we don't want government to... Uh, step into our lives more than they already do. But what if there was a bill or whatever that said home builders from X date. Like a 10K, a 10K yeah, tax 10, credit. Yeah, 10KVA. If you install, and this is built into your home price, install that, you get so much of a tax credit. There's no reason they could. There, there's no reason a, a home builder would not add that into their packages. You'd be silly if you didn't. If, if they, I mean, if if they made it, if they made it to where if um, it was going to be twenty grand and they were going to give you half of that as a tax right. credit, I would. Yeah, definitely. But make that a mandate. I mean, I know people. They would, could. You you'd have the the half that would be like, we don't want government overstepping us. But there'd be the other yeah. half is like, well. Great, we're we're getting change that we want. Yeah, but when you don't have power for thirteen days, you'll rethink uh, I, that. <laughs> I had I had didn't have power for thirteen days when Ike hit. 
I know. I, did, I, I think I had, it was like four or five days for me, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, like, luckily. Until that happens to you, you don't luckily, probably realize. Luckily, <laughs> I had gas water heater, so I, I could take a hot shower. I don't yeah. care about power. Well, I mean, I, I didn't at the time. Right. We had. Dumb it, houses. It was actually, <laughs> yeah, it was actually fun at the time. I mean, it I was. I mean, we had a generator in the backyard. Me and my neighbor had power running from a generator that I had in my backyard just to run our fridges, just yeah. to keep the food okay. From CNET.com, SpaceX Starlink satellites doomed after geomagnetic storm hits Earth. So as many as 40 satellites from a recent launch will disintegrate as they re-enter Earth's atmosphere. This was from February 8th. <clears throat> and it says as many as 40 satellites from Thursday's SpaceX launch. So this would have been, I don't know. That, uh, I don't know what Thursday's date was, but it was like two weeks ago now, right? Mm -hmm. um, they're set to smash back into Earth's atmosphere and disintegrate into the atmosphere, according to a SpaceX update on Tuesday. <clears throat> they sent 49 Starlinks up from a Falcon 9 from Kennedy Space Center in what is becoming a rather routine operation for Elon Musk's spaceflight company. They have launched over two thousand Starlink satellites since 2018. That's a lot of trips. That is a lot of trips. <clears throat> In an attempt to bring high-speed satellite internet to all corners of the globe, and particularly those who are who where access has typically been limited. But after the launch on Thursday, a geomagnetic storm slammed into Earth's atmosphere. I uh, felt it. You did? Like personally? <laughs> <laughs> the the only thing nice about a geomagnetic storm is the Aurora Borealis. Oh, that's true. The storm caused by the sun spewing out solar wind particles that eventually crash into the Earth. The particles mess with the planet's magnetic field and disrupt satellites, increasing drag and messing with their orbits. That is exactly what happened to potentially 40 of those 49 Starlink satellites just after they were deployed into their intended orbit, says SpaceX. When the geomagnetic storm hit Earth last week, it increased atmospheric drag on the batch of satellites. Uh, SpaceX quickly chucked the satellites, like chucked, like in, into a safe mode and flew them on edge uh, to minimize the drag. And it says to take cover from the storm. But preliminary analysis shows the satellites, the 40 of the 49, never came back out of safe mode and can't raise into their initial orbit. Uh, SpaceX said the satellites will re-enter or already have re-entered the Earth's atmosphere. I think we've seen some like TikToks and stuff of like yep. them coming back down. <clears throat> Effectively ending their short lives. May they rest in peace. When the satellites collide with the atmosphere, they're designed to burn up entirely so no, no debris <laughs> will reach the ground. Uh, SpaceX also says they pose no risk to other satellites. Uh, <clears throat> I, I wonder how much I wonder how much 40 satellites cost. Well, I think, didn't we have that cost at one point? No, that was, that. no, the cost we had was the price per... Uh, the dishy? No, it was the price per kilogram on the last episode. Of uh, weight, of right? Of weight. I thought we had talked about how much the SpaceX satellites cost per, or at one point. I didn't think so. $147,000. That, that's your guess? What are you yep. guessing, Darren? Um, <clears throat> one forty-seven, two twenty-five. I'm gonna go three fifty. Oh, golly, man! 
noses. Oh. SpaceX doesn't disclose the cost of its Starlink satellites, but some analysts have put the cost of each module between two hundred and fifty and five hundred thousand. So, meaning a fleet of forty would cost them twenty million dollars. Ouch. Yeah, like, I guess is that something that we can predict? Like when a when a geomagnetic storm is going to happen? Though, I mean, I would think if you could. Elon would be monitoring yeah, that, that stuff. Yeah, that's something that NASA and Elon would both be yeah. like, hey, um, probably shouldn't launch this week. Excuse me, this week because high geomagnetic interference from the now, sun. Now that we say that, we're going to start seeing TikToks of people that apparently <laughs> have means to monitor these flares. Well, and they were like, well, we tried to tell them. You know how they're going to do it? <laughs> yep. Don't do it. Don't do it this week. Matt, it's just science. Oh, man. That's funny. Can um, you can you imagine just being there and being like, crap? That would suck. Like, that would suck. 20 million. I mean, but Elon's paid way more than that to the FCC. Yeah. <laughs> or the SEC, rather. Um, and it's cool. Like, if you keep scrolling on the CNET, like, they just keep feeding you SpaceX articles, which this one was from February 10th, which was, like, the day before the other one. Or the uh, a week after the other one, rather, and it says you know NASA voices voices concerns about the collisions with SpaceX Starlink satellites. Like we've talked about this before, like they want to potentially launch as many as thirty thousand satellites. It's like, can they all fit up there? And you know, what's the risk of collision? And well, there, you know, we've all talked the, about this. All the, the scientists and stuff are already complaining about. Um, oh, that the the, the, the observatories and, the, and stuff, yeah. which. It, it is what it is, and you know. And do you do you just paint them all with that? What's the name of that black? That's like the blackest black. Oh yeah, what is it? I don't remember. I mean, what but it's it still what they painted that BMW with. <clears throat> yeah, or that room that that guy painted, and you mm. couldn't. It, yeah. Did know. you guys see? So I just seen this yesterday when I was scrolling through. Yeah, this. I saw that. So um, Jared Isaacman, who was the one who was initially like the main person that got the original SpaceX human flight uh, or crew dragon uh, for all the uh, civilians, he's planning another uh, flight called Polaris. The Polaris program aims for first SpaceX Starship flight to carry humans. Um, so billionaire Jarek Isaacman has a new commercial space mission and it talks about, um, he's ready to go back into space for a second time. Uh, he's the one who bankrolled the historic inspiration Four mission that sent four astronaut civilians on a nearly three day trip to space. Did, did you watch that series yet? <clears throat> no, you gotta oh watch it. Oh my God, you gotta watch um, it. So he said that him and a crew of three others plan to make his history with the first launch of the newly announced Polaris program as soon as later this year. The Polaris program is an important step in advancing human space exploration, as we said in for a statement. On Polaris Dawn, we endeavor to achieve the highest Earth orbit, the highest Earth orbit ever flown, in addition to conducting the, conducting the world's first commercial spacewalk and test of Starlink laser-based communication. Laser beams. Dawn will be the first of up to three human spaceflight missions that make up Polaris, lasting as long as five days. A second flight will continue to expand the boundaries of future human spaceflight missions in space communications and scientific research. All I want to do is go to the moon. 
one day before I die. It, it says Polaris is set to launch no earlier than the fourth quarter of 2022. So end of this year, we could see it. I mean, I wouldn't mind going up to ISS. It'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? It ain't oh going yeah. to be there much longer. Like, uh, true. It ain't going to be there forever. Maybe 2.0. Yeah. Or, or what, was it, what was the one? What was yeah, that? It was uh, Amazon, wasn't it? Yeah, they were one of the, what was that thing called? They were going to build that. that mo- the modular one, wasn't space it? Space yeah. Hotel. Yeah, what was that thing called? I don't remember. I go back and look at the old episode notes. From MorningBrew.com, last up today, we have the White House announces a $5 billion plan to make highway EV, highways EV-friendly. So this will um, give st- state funding. Uh, it's federal funding to states to build out EV charging networks along interstate highways. It says, uh, right now, the most cutting-edge version of a highway rest stop is one that has both a toilet and a subway. But, subway? <laughs> but upgrades ac- all across the country may be yeah. on their way. The uh, Biden administration on Thursday laid out plans for a $5 billion network of in- interstate highway electric vehicle chargers. The initiative announced by the Department of Energy and Transportation will set the money We'll see the money doled out to states over the next five years. The goal is to standardize charging systems and reach the target of 500,000 public EV chargers by 2030. There are currently about 116,000 highly concentrated in California, by the way, uh, to qualify for the interstate state, uh, qualify for the funding interstate stations will have to be installed every 50 miles or less, be located less than a mile off a given interstate, Offer charging ports for at least four vehicles with a minimum of 150 kilowatts at each port. So that's about a 30 to 45-minute charge cycle for most EVs. Um, I mean, it's. I think we need it. We need the well, investment. but I, I just feel that, I mean, 50 miles is a, is, is a short distance. Yeah, that's – so um, I was kind of thinking the same thing. So that was like a very condensed – version of the broader article from actually was from the Washington post. Um, so I did link to that as well down in the show notes. So this one goes into a lot more depth about the details of this, um, which there wasn't a ton more. I mean, we care, no. covered it at a very high level, but like I said, 5 billion. Um, I just want to know what they're going to like go into to standardize I mean, are they just going to have different adapters at the the yeah. charge units? I mean, are they going to give incentive programs to existing gas stations to go ahead and, and do this? I mean, it's got to be on the radar. I mean, we've talked about it numerous times yeah. here. We need a standard port. I think we need, we need everybody to come together and decide on what is so the standard charging port. What, what the standard charging port should be is a giant USB-C. <laughs> it can uh, go in this way the, or uh, this way. What was the Spaceballs thing? There was like some kind of port or something. Spaceballs. No, they just went to suck, suck to, to blow. Oh, yeah. I can't remember. Was, that's, that would need like a Spaceballs reference, but that's what we need. <laughs> um, the, the whole purpose of the funding is aimed at standardizing charging systems so drivers have an experience comparable to finding a gas station. Like, yeah, it needs to be the same. It, it needs to be easier or as just the same or as easy 
as it is to get gas, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the most significant investments in the the total $1 trillion infrastructure law aimed at reducing carbon emissions from transportation and a stepping stone towards the administration's goal of having half of the new cars be battery-powered or plug-in hybrids by 2030. That's what this investment is going towards. So it says the, the, the money is the largest investment of its kind, yet it still represents a fraction of the estimated $39 billion cost of building a public charging system by 2035. So it's only $5 billion of that total. Like they're saying almost $40 billion is what it's going to take. So mm. I think we're seeing – I mean, Tesla's already started their, their – made it. they've made um, a commitment to double what they have today. Was it over the next two or three years or something like that? Well, especially with the uh, module. Uh, the, the modular, uh, they, where mm-hmm. they can just drop them off and plug them in, basically. Yeah. So I, I would like to know <clears throat> the numbers from the sheets. I keep going back to sheets because that's the only ones I've really had experience with as far as supercharging. Oh. But. Like sheets gas station? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Of the ones that I stopped at, did they all get built with the EV superchargers at the same time, or were these superchargers after? And Mm. if after, what kind of, like, revenue increase did they see from adding these to these stores? Because at all the exits I got up on, they had them. There were like multiple places for people to stop and get uh, gas. You know, there's only the one place for people to stop and get, you know, a charge. So there has to be a way for people to see the benefit of adding more superchargers, yeah. you know, to bring up, you know, your revenue. Yeah, I think they know, should be able to your, tra- your uh, foot uh, traffic. Ex- just, they should be able to extrapolate how many people are charging at those chargers. Yeah. And in turn, like, How much are they spending each time? Right, because they should be able to look. They they should have. I would assume they're already looking at if a if, for every person that stops and get gas, this is how much they they spend per person in the store, right? Well, yeah, because they're not making money on the gas. Right, they're making so money the same on- should be similar, or to, or maybe even more because EV drivers may spend more. I don't know. I, if I anything, they're going to be there longer. Right, so <laughs> they should be able to calculate at some level. How much of those chargers are making them, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be interesting to know. Um, you know and this also says that, you know, there's 116,000 current uh, ports in the country. They want to go up to 500,000 total. Um, and it says, according to the Energy Department, most, mostly, most of these are lower speed level two chargers. And there's a heavy concentration in California. The cost estimate for installing a charger vary widely. Tesla has proposed the government cap costs per charger, or per port rather, for at seventy five k. Now I don't know if that's because that's what they can do it at, um, but if they did seventy five k, that would mean they could do eighty thousand chargers with this five billion dollar investment. Seventy five thousand dollars per port. Per port, so that. That per that's plug. a lot of money. <laughs> hold on, so, hold too. on. That is Tesla solar roof prices in California. Uh, yeah, I that, mean, there's no, there's no way on God's green earth that that would cost that in Ohio. Yeah, well, I, 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 I think dis- may, I maybe disagree. they're saying they need to cap it so that it's not uh, taken advantage of. 
and they you don't have these places coming in and charging a hundred thousand dollars per charger when it you know it obviously should not cost that much. Wow. So like hopefully it's way less than that, but <laughs> I think at a minimum if they say you can't charge more than seventy five thousand per port, they would get at least eighty thousand chargers, which it's not going to get them close to the five hundred thousand dollars or five hundred thousand five hundred thousand goal. So so how many how many <clears throat> excuse me how many how many uh, locations did they say they wanted? They didn't say. They just said five hundred thousand chargers. Okay, because right now there's a the hundred. There's a hundred and fifty thousand fueling stations <laughs> across the United States. Hundred and fifty. Hmm. But that, but a fueling station has multiple. Has how many? Yeah. Right. Pumps. It just depends on the type. Right. Yeah. So I mean, if you go to, a, I would say at least four to six. Even for the, I'd and say average is probably like, ten or twelve. Unless right? it's like off the highway, because the speedway off sixty three in Monroe, it has nine diesel pumps mm-hmm. for big rigs, plus yeah, two, four, six, eight, eighteen. Yeah, eighteen. Yeah, I'd say on average most of them are probably at least twelve. Yeah, I think this is. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to see more and more of the infrastructure that's already in place they're going to just start putting charge electric charges there as well i mean this makes sense yeah i don't see why they wouldn't yeah and we've talked about it before put solar on top of your canopies do this do that yep i mean it's it's good that they're making this investment maybe it needs probably more than this but i think they're talking they're probably also counting on private investment like tesla's continue to invest uh Ford and GM are investing, or at least in partnership with other um, places that are already doing this. What's the which who was GM using? It was a uh, uh, Electrify America. Yeah, that's what Ford was using. Ford, who was GM using? I forget, but I don't think they've stated. Yeah. They haven't stated yet. But <clears throat> would it be would it be wise right now to go ahead and start a business of installing mm. EV chargers for? Like retrofitting them into yeah. existing gas areas. So if let's say you know you pull out four pumps and turn those into four EV chargers. I don't know that you could put them in the same place. I think they need to be. I don't. I, I mean, maybe, but because you're going to take longer, I don't know if it makes sense to put them in the same place as where the gas pumps were. Maybe you need. To yeah, do, but it, but you need to do it in the in the edge. I know, I know but or you would be happier or you, you or you take like like you know how you have traditionally what two pumps get the double you know one on each side maybe you take out that stall and you install two on each side of that but you allow the you know the parking to come in at a different at an angle or something I don't know but let me let me pose this what if question mm-hmm. if you pulled in somewhere and it was pouring the rain, horrible downpour, and you had a uncovered high-speed charger for Tesla or whatever. Let's say we have universal charging, okay? Or you pull up to a covered canopy that had like a tier underneath of high-speed charging. Which would you rather use? No, I agree. Especially if you want to get out and do anything right. <laughs> or 
go to one factor farther, at when you back up, you hit a button on your your touchscreen, oh, and you got the, you got and, the auto and the, charger that and, the and the auto charger <laughs> comes out and plugs in. And you, I mean, and then you can just order food and have it delivered. <clears throat> I mean, we talked about that. I don't think on the episode before too. Mm-hmm. So I mean, the yeah. the possibilities are endless. But oh, dude, but like if you, you if you were like if we had the investment funds, like we could take over the world. I mean, I, it would be nice if just someone somehow made it a point to cover all of the current Tesla superchargers. Like, oh, I, I don't, yeah. but, I, I don't even see, know how you would fund that. But oh my right. gosh, like that would be great. But I don't know yeah. why they don't. Because because that would add a perfect spot for them to throw in cell, so, solar, and yeah. then and then where the chargers are located or wherever they're being powered from. You set up one of those. What, what what did they take over to? Um, where did they set the, up that? In the hurricane? Yeah, when the hurricane hit. Yeah. Where I, they set up those. I mean, Why it could can't... be, too, like some of these locations where they're putting these, like their grocery stores and shopping malls and things like that. They don't allow them to. They don't want that structure. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but here, that, that, that goes right back to the. Yeah. HOA and and why don't we just allow yeah. this stuff? I mean, yeah, you know, it's, if like, it's that initial investment. Okay, yeah, I'm putting out X amount of kilowatts through these chargers yeah. every day. I why mean, if, not if, offset it with solar from an, or wind? From an HOA or, perspective, you could say like, hey, if we have this many people that are buying solar, we can form our own microgrid. Like, right, and if you. If you put solar on your house, you don't have to pay an HOA fee anymore because yeah. you're feeding the microgrid. Like, Or if you set up a smart uh, panel with your microgrid and you can help power so-and-so's, right. a yeah. percentage of that comes back to you yeah. from the energy company. I mean, yeah. the possibilities are endless. Um, we're, just, we're just three people <laughs> that are broke and, and have ideas, okay? With so, no money. So yeah, we don't have any investment funds. Get with us. Um, we can help you out. Right. Yeah, we'll spend your it's, money. Don't it's, worry. It's, uh, ultimately, the federal government will consider a particular corridor fully built out when it has at least four 150-kilowatt charging points every 50 miles with limited expectations. Once states meet the goal, they can use the remaining funds for other charging projects. States have until August 1st of 2022 to submit plans for using this money. If states don't submit a plan or don't take steps to implement it, the Federal Transportation Department can withhold the money or give it to local governments. The Federal Highway Administration is set to approve plans by September 30th. So. That's not a lot. If, nope. if, you, if you have ever done anything, and I didn't understand this till I actually got into a, and I'm just in the low local government, Things don't move very fast at all. So that is a quick deadline. Yeah. And it says they have another $2.5 billion that the Transportation Department can use to target rural areas or city neighborhoods with poor access to charging. Officials say they expect to set out plans for that funding later this year. What if... Now, this is crazy... So, DC transmission, wireless charging, what if you had Starlink satellite that could go into your car that could charge while you were driving? I mean, 
Matt's, Matt, uh, Matt, Matt, it, Matt, Matt's mind hurts. Matt, it's just science. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us for episode 41 of our DBB show podcast. Uh, please check out our beer drop review. We're going to be doing one uh, that'll be released around the same time as this episode. If you're listening to it on the audio, please check out our YouTube or Facebook for the video version uh, and also our other content. We would greatly appreciate it. And, um, we should see you in about two weeks. Yep. Indeed. All right. Indeed. Indeed. Peace. Be good.